Good morning, everyone. Want to um, mention to you the memorial service tomorrow at one for both Carl and Martha Reimer. Um, Carl, as you remember, passed away. Uh, it was in November. November of 20, um, in the height of COVID restrictions, and the family decided to wait um, for a memorial service for him. Martha <clears throat> passed away this past Sunday night, and so we want to have tomorrow at 1 um, memorial for them both. <clears throat> John's Gospel, chapter 10, is what I want us to look at this morning, and I want to read a little bit more than maybe normal, but um, this is John's Gospel, um, his record of the all of the statements that Jesus made about being a shepherd and being uh, whether we're among the sheep or not. Um, and so <clears throat> beginning in the 10th chapter of John's Gospel, verse 1, Jesus says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the, sa the same, that person, is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice." Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them or listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he who is a hireling and not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, 
Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father." Therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, He has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We'll end our reading at the end of that paragraph. There's three things here in this passage of Scripture <clears throat> that I want us to look at that Jesus addresses. True shepherds, true sheep, true security. There are wonderful promises here and certainty and assurance for us. First, we are shown what the true, what a true shepherd is and who the true shepherd is. Jesus, of course, said, I, I'm the true shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Now, on what grounds does he say that? Well, there are several things in this passage that he gives as credentials. I and one, he ends, he ends with one. I and my Father are one. I'm God. Now, the rest of this passage, which we didn't read, on those words, the Jews were filled with rage, picked up stones and were going to stone him, they said, because you're making yourself equal to God. Indeed, he was. Because he is. Now, so the first qualification of a true, this true shepherd, he's God. I have, and of course we know Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. There is nothing I will need, nothing that I will not be supplied with. There's no help that I must have that I will be withheld from me. There's no protection that I must have that Jesus won't provide. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I don't have the capacity to try to, I guess, impress you or even myself with what that means. Jesus is my shepherd. He's God. Therefore, he knows my needs. He's able to supply absolutely anything that I need. He is clear to speak to me, to call me, to shield me. He speaks here about false shepherds, too. False shepherds. He calls hirelings. They're just in it for a paycheck. Now he's referring here to under-shepherds. Everyone there that day, and I think today, we understand what an under-shepherd is. It's someone who works for the owner of the sheep. The true owner is the true shepherd. But some are hired, and they are under-shepherds. They're supposed to work for the chief shepherd, and, and hear me, care for the sheep as if they were his own. But Jesus tells us that sadly, many don't. We had, if you recall, last Sunday, we had an ordination service. Much was said about shepherding. That's our job as under-shepherds, to tend to God's sheep. Here's the problem. Um, maybe some of you who are employers here today um, understand this. I can't tell you down through the years of pastoring how many employers I've talked to who would complain, and justifiably so, about their equipment, their tools, their vehicles, that the employees are always, well, they tore out the transmission of that truck last week again. They burned up that piece of equipment. They ran it without checking the oil, and it seized up. Why? It's not theirs and they don't care. That's exactly what Jesus said about false shepherds. They don't own the sheep and they don't care. They're just there to get a paycheck. That's their hirelings. The sheep are the focus of not only the chief shepherd but the under-shepherds. They treat them like their own and never, by the grace of God, forget that God's sheep are these among whom we walk and to whom we are accountable. The true shepherd then, Jesus, is true and the good shepherd because he's God. Second, the second qualification of our true shepherd is that he loves the sheep. He loves the sheep. They're not just the producers of wool or mutton or whatever. 
you know, I don't think I've, I think maybe I've eaten mutton in my life. If I did, I didn't know about it. Um, if I do know about it, I don't plan to follow through on it. I, I just, I don't want to know about it. Um, in fact, I do think, I, I am remembering, and I won't go into the details. Uh, yeah, I do remember twice in my life um, eating mutton, okay? And I'm to blame for the second time. But at any rate, they didn't look, at, they are not just producers of something. I don't want to repeat a lot of what we did last week. That's been on my mind. But the whole concept of the ministry today, this has not been for me this past week. I won't get off into details, but it's not been a good week for me as far as hearing news about things going on in other denominations and conservative so-called evangelical, Bible-believing Bible -believing congregations and denominations in our country. We are eroding away the faith on every turn, taking votes to allow things that were forbidden by Scripture, turning away from the faith once delivered unto the saints. Who does that, hirelings? Hirelings, people that don't really love the sheep like Jesus loves the sheep, nor the third qualification of Jesus. Not only is he God, loves the sheep, but he lays down his life for the sheep. The sheep are first. Today, let me just throw this out. This is, if any of you here think that the, the model of a physical, human pastor is, the sh is a shepherd. You are sadly outdated, archaic, pretty much hopeless. Okay? Um, plus, just to throw this in, you're not a cool dude. Um, and that's the most important thing. Today, the new model, open, broad daylight, speaking, books written, the new model is CEO. You are a CEO of an organization. And as the phrase goes, there are, you have to get the right people on the bus and the wrong people off the bus and the right people that are on the bus in the right place. Okay? You're a manager of personnel. You're a CEO. Now, what does that little bus thing mean? That gets said a lot. Well, it means that there are some people that are impediments to my agenda and to the vision that I'm casting, and so you got to go. Does it hurt your feelings? I don't know. So, you got to go. We get rid of you off the board. We take that teaching responsibility or that class or something, we take it away from you. Why? Because we've got to get the right people on the bus and the right people in the right seat on the bus, and I'm the CEO, and if you don't like it, hit the road. That is a miserable hireling. Sadly, 
the churches today are more and more populated in the pulpits by those kinds of shepherds. They're trying to build their resume and trying to make a name for themselves. Jesus didn't do that. And the shepherds who he speaks of that work under him better not do it either. So the true shepherd here is God, loves the sheep, and lays his life down for them. The second thing we see are the true sheep. There are people, we know, Jesus said, that there are wolves running around in sheep's clothing. So there are people who are not sheep who try to dress up and look like sheep. So we need to know not only who's the true shepherd, but who are the true sheep. I need to ask myself that. Every one of us have to ask ourselves, do I know I'm one of Jesus' sheep? Jesus clearly said there's some, he said, who aren't my sheep, and you're not my sheep because you don't believe. But there's some, there are some more particular qualifications of the true sheep. We find that later on um, in these <clears throat> the verses around the second discussion that Jesus had, which begins in 25, when they're telling, asking him, if you're the Christ, tell us. He said, I already told you, and you won't believe me. Yet he repeated it for them. But he says this in 26, you do not believe because you're not of my sheep. Now 27 and 28 are the qualifications of true sheep. How do we know ourselves as true sheep? And when it becomes necessary, how do we know who the true sheep are and not just those dressed up in sheep's clothing that are wolves? We have some qualifications here. First of all, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. So who are the true sheep? Several qualifications here. One, they hear my voice. It doesn't mean, of course, just with the audible sounds. They listen. They hear. They hear me. They hear my voice. What does Jesus' voice sound like? How do I know I'm listening to Jesus' voice? There are lots of voices in this world. How do I know I'm listening to Jesus' voice? Number one. Let me just give you several fingerprints of Jesus' voice. It is similar, or it's the same. He doesn't introduce truth that is brand new to the world. If it's new, it isn't true. If it's true, it isn't new. Jesus, if we would, and we're not faulting Jesus, but if you want to find 
If you want to give a description of God, He's awfully repetitious. He just keeps saying the same thing, same thing, same thing. Second, in saying the same thing, He never, ever contradicts His Word. He speaks according to His Word. That's why I have to be a person who's reading God's Word. Then I recognize a voice that isn't carrying God's Word, and I know it. But if I don't know God's Word, the air is filled and our world is filled with voices of different values, and I, I'm disarmed. I'm unable to say, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not true. Jesus always speaks according to, of course, his own word. Third, Jesus, how can I put, I don't mean to make him sound hard or harsh, but he's not concerned about our feelings. He doesn't mind confronting us. The word confront, the word convict in Scripture come from a root word that means forehead. It means then that God doesn't mind taking us on head on. One thing about Jesus, He doesn't beat around the bush. He doesn't take forever to say what it is He wants to say. You don't have to stand there and think, well, I wonder what he really meant. Look, he's really, really, really plain. And he pokes his finger into our chest and says, listen, I saw that. I heard that. I've been watching this. I don't like it. And you know I don't like it. And you know it's not right. Do this. Do that. Stop this. He's a good shepherd. Isaiah, using the same shepherd motif, says, you will hear, as you walk along, he said, you'll hear the, the shepherd's voice saying to you, if you start turning aside to the right hand or the left and getting off the path, you will hear this is the way, walk in it, correcting me. Jesus corrects us, and we know it. He knows how to make his voice very plain. And here's, the, here's one other characteristic of God's voice. Even when God is convicting us and confronting us, he never, I don't end up beaten down, hopeless, despairing, discouraged to death. That's not God's voice. That's the devil's voice. God, there's no one like God. No one speaks like God. He is able to jerk us up short at the same time, mingle in with that rebuke and correction and conviction and warning. He mingles in with it. Love, hope, certainty, bright future, better days, 
No one can do that like God. So how do I know I'm listening to Jesus' voice? Well, it helps if I've heard it and listened to it before. But he always speaks truth, light, love, life to us, mingled with assurance. This, this is the way. Walk in it. They hear my voice. They follow me. They do what I say. How do I qualify then? What are the qualifications of a true sheep? Number one, they, they hear. They listen to Jesus' voice. Two, they follow him. They do what he says. Notice here, too, that all of these verbs are present tense. And we'll look at this a little in a few minutes here, a little more in detail. But it means they are, it, it could read, they are hearing my voice. That's not a one time. That's a continual fellowship with God to where we hear his voice throughout the day. He talks to us. He checks our hearts. Ever been ready to say something to somebody, pass some news on or whatever, and just felt that little, little check? Just keep that quiet. Don't spread that. Just leave it alone. Anybody here ever felt anything like that? Yeah. What is that? That's God's voice. Because he monitors, he says, I know your words before you say them. And if we're about to say something, I'm not talking about turn the air blue and profanity. I'm talking about just our everyday speech. He talks to us about that. He says, let your speech be with grace, that it might minister grace to the hearers. It buoys them up. It's encouraging. God's listening to that. He's prepared for what I'm about to say. And so he'll just kind of check you. Or those times when he prompts you in a situation and somehow you come out of that situation and you can't imagine where did, you, where did I get the words to say that? How did I know even what to respond? God just gave it to me. That's listening to his voice. Day in, day out, hour in, hour out. Moment by moment. God walks with us talks to us and wants us to always be hearing his voice. So that's why it's present tense. Not I heard, I am hearing. And then those who are hearing, remember we're identifying true sheep, present tense again, they are following me. Not they followed they are continually, persistently, faithfully, day in, day out, they're following me. Other verbs here in this same passage. They are following me, and verse 28, I am giving them eternal life. Not I gave, I'm giving them as they are hearing and they are following, Jesus says, I am knowing them 
and I am giving them eternal life. This is the umbilical cord that we have from our soul, between our souls and Jesus. It is not a one and done kind of decision. It's a daily walk with God. That relationship with God has got to be kept up to date. It's got to be cleared if there's any shadow that seems to fall over it. Whatever. We mind God. If I need, if God checks my heart and I realize, you know, I spoke too sharply here or whatever it might be, a thousand things. Don't wait till the night. Right then, Lord Jesus, help me learn from that. Forgive me for it. Warn me next time. Help me see it. I want to be hearing your voice. I want to be following you while you are knowing me. And knowing there means acknowledging me and giving me eternal life. Now, those then are true sheep. Those who hear and listen. There's one little thing I want to throw in here too that's kind of interesting. Um, should have said it about the shepherd. But it says earlier, the doorkeeper, and that would be someone who slept overnight in the fold. Those aren't the shepherds. But they kept all the sheep bottled up in the sheep fold safe. And early in the morning when all the shepherds came to call out their flock of sheep, even though they're mingled among them, they heard their own shepherd's voice, and out from among this mingled mass came the sheep who knew their shepherd's voice. And it says when he has put them out, when the shepherd has put them out, he goes before them. Okay? Well, the word put them out literally means to shove out. And it gave me a thought. Sometimes we as sheep would rather just kind of lollygag around in the fold. And it refers to that. And it literally means to grab, grab a handful of wool and get them out. Then he rounds them up and he leads them. You know what? Sometimes as sheep, Jesus gets a couple of handfuls of, of wool and he says, you get out there. You're not hanging around here in the sheepfold, just, you know, chewing the cud all day. Get out there. I'm out to something. Do as you're supposed to do. Volunteer for this. Work there. Get out. That's interesting. That even the sheep need sometimes the shepherd to grab a hold of us and say, hey, stir yourself up here. Get going. The true security then is the wonderful promise that we have where he said, no one can pluck you out of my Father's hand. Now, hear me good. That verse, that verse is not a blank security kind of promise. No, no one, they will never perish. It's predicated on the two statements, 
No one can take them out of my hand. And number two, they'll never perish. What's that based on? That wonderful promise. It's based on their continued, they are hearing me, I am knowing them, they are following me, I am giving them eternal life. Those, that wonderful ironclad statement, you'll never perish. What a wonderful promise, you'll never perish, is not given without condition. And again, it's I hear, I follow, he knows me, he's giving me eternal life, I follow my shepherd. The true shepherd, true sheep, true security. We are safe in the fold of our shepherd and in his care when we listen to him, follow him, love him, obey him. Nothing can reach me. Nothing can reach me if I stay in that condition and follow in his flock. So there's warnings here, there's conditions, but also wonderful iron-clad promises, comfort, security to us. May we then, knowing who our shepherd is, examine ourselves. Am I hearing? Am I following? Do I sense him acknowledging me? and owning me? And do I have confidence I have everlasting life that He is giving to me, not gave, is giving to me as I walk with Him. Let's bow our heads. Take a moment. I just, I really want us not to just kind of sit here and think about what's been said in this scripture for 30 seconds and then go our way. We need to ponder it and ask God to search our hearts. Best prayer we can pray. Search me, O God, know my heart. See if there be anything in me that's not what it ought to be. Lead me in the way everlasting. Father in heaven, I know each and every Sunday we pray that you would speak to our hearts as we come into the sanctuary. And I know by faith that you've done that each and every week. And today, Lord, I pray a special prayer over this congregation and everyone that can hear my voice and myself included, that we would follow the encouragement of our pastor this morning that we would just not let this day roll by, lay our head on the pillow, get up and go do it again tomorrow, but that we would take these moments that you lay before us just to quiet our hearts before you, to listen, not just hear you, but listen, and then get up and follow you as we leave the sanctuary, because that way we know we are secure in Christ. Outside of our shepherd, there is no security. 
So help us to be held in the hollow of your hand each and every day, Lord, knowing with confidence that by your grace and to the best of our ability, we're walking with you, Lord, and we're doing everything that we know that you would have us do throughout each day. So hold us in the hollow of your hand where we know, according to your word, that no one or nothing can pluck us out of there. Help us to have a desire to stay put until you tell us to move and then to walk with you in all that we do. Our good shepherd, knowing that we are your sheep and knowing that we have true security in Christ Jesus. For it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great day, everyone.